T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Actually, it's Moose Miller. Esme has tonight off. I'm glad that we can spend a little time, though, together. We have got a really cool show tonight. As Esme usually has every Saturday night, and uh, her crack producing team has uh, once again put together some really interesting guests tonight. Looking forward to some conversations about uh, maybe another planet Earth out there. Vicki Hansen is going to join us, a professor of Earth and planetary science at the uh, University of uh, Maryland. You heard about that. Earth-sized, I think it's a jumbo-sized Earth. It's like five or seven times the size of our Earth. And it is orbiting a star that is 39 light years away. And apparently they're encouraged by what they think could be breathable oxygen and a planet surface that actually might be rock and maybe water. The big question is, how would you get there? Would... uh would Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence be the ones leading that little cruise to that, if you saw that movie? Also uh, coming up here a little bit later on the program, we're going to talk with Dr. Carla Schwartz. She is a physician with Fairview Health System and a volunteer doctor at St. Mary's Health Clinics, which is kind of the uh, last lines of defense for the poor when it comes to health care. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those clinics which are staffed by more than 270 volunteer physicians and healthcare workers. Before we get to all of that, though, we'll pull Dan Revive in here. He's our uh, Washington correspondent, and we'll see where the Republicans are on this new attempt to repeal and replace, right? There was talk of reviving an effort to repeal Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. Is that going to happen this coming week? And also, where are we with North Korea? Got a lot to talk about. And then when you look at what's going on over in France, they've got a presidential election that some people are saying if it sways far to the right, much like what we saw in this particular election with regard to policies on immigration, which Donald Trump, let's build a wall. And that's pretty much Le Pen, the far right candidate in France. So if that happens, what does that mean for the euro? What does that mean for the NATO relationships and just for world markets financially? Or will it be much ado about nothing? We'll talk a little bit about that with Dan Raviv coming up here as well. And then a little bit later in the 8 o'clock hour, Jeremiah Gardner is going to join us from the uh, Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation for Recovery Advocacy. It's been a year since Prince's death. Man, I'll t- I was on the air that day a year ago. Was that Friday? I think it was the, yeah, Friday. And I was filling in for Chad Hartman. It was the Noon to Three show. And we started getting reports in that, a body had been found in an elevator out at Paisley Park. And then people were like, oh, 
we think it might be Prince. And I was, are you kidding me? But then I thought, wait a minute. He had had those incidents. Remember that where the flight had to land from Atlanta, that concert that he gave. And apparently he had to have a couple of uh, Narcan like shots or something to revive him on the ground in the Quad Cities, which is, is where I grew up, Davenport and, and Moline, Rock Island, East Moline. That airport is where he landed at. So now here it is one year later, and we're still in a ferocious battle with opioid addiction. There is some promising news out there, though. The Scripps Institute down in Jupiter, Florida which is partnering up with the Max or Max Planck Institute for Neurobrain Science. They announced this past week that they may be just a couple of years away from a non-addictive pain medication that acts kind of like an opioid, has has those effects, that power to reduce the feelings of pain. And if that's the case, non-addictive, What a game changer that could be. So we'll talk a little bit more about where we are when it comes to opioid abuse, opioid awareness with somebody that's kind of on the front lines of that in the 8 o'clock hour. Tell you what, though, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll reach out and grab Dan Revive, our Washington correspondent from I-24 News Global TV And we'll see what he's hearing inside the Beltway. Are Republicans going to be able to kind of rally the troops there and and pass through a repeal of Obamacare? Or is this destined once again for failure? And what's going on with North Korea? Sounds like maybe this coming week, maybe a nuclear test in honor of another anniversary in that country. We'll talk about that and much more. Here on the Esme Murphy Show, Moose Miller sitting in tonight for Esme Murphy on 830-WCCO. Saturday night in CCO land, 68 degrees. Hey, we'll take that. Moose Miller in for Esme Murphy here on WCCO. Count me as a, a fan, Dan Revive. Good evening and welcome. Moose, count me as a fan of WCCO Radio in my <laughs> 42 years as a CBS Radio News correspondent. What yeah. you, weren't we proud to have Minneapolis, St. Paul? You bet. Yeah, you better believe it. And I got to tell you, I just I've, I've loved listening to your reports over the years, and uh, you are just just top notch, crackerjack, the whole thing, man. And uh, well, you're too yeah. nice, and so therefore you'll allow me to tell folks who wonder where'd he disappear to. I'm now with <laughs> yes. a glo- I'm now with a global TV channel that's rapidly expanding. For now, it's i24news.tv, but we're going to get on TV sets in your area too. But i24news.tv, and I'm happy to talk about what's going on because I am still covering Washington. You are, and then some. And I got to tell you, I've been surfing around on the website tonight for you guys and uh, it is truly a global experience and and it gives you a much deeper, broader perspective as to what's going on around the world and then also how that really kind of comes back here and, and touches and affects us. Thanks Moose, you know what the biggest story in the world has been all year? It's Donald Trump 
Who is he really? Is he liberal? Is he Republican? Uh, you know, what is he really? And with 100 days in office, one week from now, his 100th day, the whole world is trying to measure whether he's a success. So it's a really big worldwide thing. Well, he just announced on Friday he took a literal walk across the street from the White House to the Treasury Building. And then, I guess, to the surprise of, of a number of people around him, said on Wednesday of this coming week we're going to be announcing a big tax plan. Right. He was standing with his Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, who's a longtime you know, Wall Street guy, really wealthy, also helps produce Hollywood movies, though he's taking a break from all that because he's the Treasury Secretary now. You're going to see Steve Mnuchin's signature you know, on, on the dollar bill. Uh, and yeah. what, an, what an honor. How amazing. And, and he is absolutely in favor of changing uh, the income tax system and the corporate tax system. Mainly, it's tax cuts. Uh, he just didn't know when Trump would put it on the agenda. And you're right, almost informally yesterday, Donald yeah. Trump says, let's unveil it this coming Wednesday. I think they want to get it out there before the 100 days. Uh, and there will probably be other announcements from the White House, too, in the coming week. They, they, you know, the President Trump said it's a ridiculous standard to be judged by, but it does seem he's trying to impress us leading up to the 100 days. Sure. But this is a guy who also, you know, before he was elected, pointed out how important the things that you do are in the first hundred days. So yes, it's like yes, you can't have it both and ways. Then, you know, and then he, he sort of goes hot and cold on the issue. Now, <laughs> now, the proudest thing that the White House staff tells me, as far as they're concerned, is that they got Neil Gorsuch confirmed to the Supreme yeah. Court. And so they have, you know, a conservative justice. They've restored what they think is, in general, a five to four vote on the Supreme Court, in general, for conservative mm -hmm. side of things. Um, and they say, you know, we're moving as fast as we can. They even say that they think they can get House Republicans again to consider, and maybe this time approve, uh, repealing Obamacare and having a new health uh, insurance system. Uh, I can hardly believe they can get it done this coming week, but they want to give it a try this week. It sounds as though maybe one of the compromises was to strip out a lot of the uh, requirements for individual states as so long as the states could come up with a way to meet other parts of the Affordable Care Act requirements. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, it wouldn't have to, I mean, in theory, it wouldn't have to uh, fulfill the requirements of the Affordable Care Act of the year 2010, because still the Republicans want to repeal that. Their new mm -hmm. system, they're suggesting, um, would allow states, as you say, to uh, lower the standards. There could be health insurance policies uh, that don't cover, well, pre-existing conditions, Trump has declared, They've got to cover that. So, so pre-existing will be covered. But all of the women's health services and everything preventive um, and, and, and how many days of hospital stay, that could be limited. They're talking about having insurance plans that will be cheaper because they won't be as good, but they will be cheaper. And that's the Republican idea for making it affordable. They claim then people will mm -hmm. choose to buy insurance because here's another important thing, Moose, the Republicans' idea takes away that it's mandatory to buy health insurance. That will be taken away if they do manage to repeal Obamacare. Let's back up, though, with regard to big changes in tax policy. Don't you really kind of have to figure out what you're going to do with health care before you can start to kind of draw the board out on tax uh, changes? Well, somebody 
somebody said that and seems to have convinced President Trump that's true, that you have to do the health reform change you know, first, and then you know how much money you have to work with. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really buy it. I mean, I do understand that the, that the health system in general is estimated to be nearly 20% of America's economy. I got that. But it's, that, that's not really the full effect on, on government revenues and spending. Um, I, I think quite independently, Trump could keep his promise to cut mm-hmm. and simplify income tax um, and definitely cut corporate tax. He's a believer, and hey, what Republican you know, CEO isn't, and that's what he, that's what he was, you know, a chief executive. He says sure. if, you get, if you get lower corporate tax rates, then companies will expand. They'll bring money from overseas. They'll take more risk. Uh, you know, this, of course, is the old belief that you know, if you help the, the, the rich and the corporate owners, that that's going to filter down to the workers. You know, Democrats hate that idea. So don't think that that's ever going to be easy to push through Congress. I'm sure different factions of the Republican Party will have different views also on what can be cut when it comes to taxes. Dan Raviv is with us here on WCCO Radio, Washington correspondent, now with I-24 News. Is that dot .tv? That's right, I-24news.tv. Thank you. Yeah, and a great uh, website to add to the bookmarks for sure. Dan, I'm kind of curious what, what you're hearing and maybe even your thoughts on the Democrats just burning down the filibuster uh, on this Supreme Court pick when y- maybe you could have kept that bullet in the gun, so to speak, further down the road for the next possible Supreme Court nominee from a President Trump. Well, the Democrats just could not repress their anger over what happened last year when Barack Obama right, uh, nominated Merrick Garland for that Supreme Court opening, and the Republicans controlled, of course, every committee in the Senate and, and paid no attention to it. This dude didn't even give Garland a hearing. Democrats were so angry, and so they said they were going to filibuster and make it really hard for Neil Gorsuch to get confirmed, and kind of daring and double-daring. Mitch McConnell, the top Republican, go nuclear, change the rules. But if you change the rules, one day you may regret it. But i got to tell you, the Republican leadership at this point, they don't regret it at all. Because next time there's a Supreme Court opening, they'll have a really easy time confirming anybody that Trump would name. And so, you know, whoever is currently in charge of the majority in the Senate, I think, is happy not to have the 60-vote standard that just 50 votes are good enough. But, you know, when you look at uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's had some health battles over the years. And, you know, Scalia, who saw that coming uh, with, uh, you know, the the death that just happened like that. Yeah, well, let's not be, you know, let's not be, you know, impolite to anybody in suggesting that even if they're in their 80s, you know, they're not going to be able to serve on the Supreme Court for years more. Ruth, G- Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, and I'm there. not saying that. Yeah, and on stage, you know, and on stage interviews, etc. She's still sharp and witty. She's uh, feisty. You know, yeah. So I, I don't know. We, we can't really predict who might go. You're right. No one thought that uh, Scalia would pass away. Uh, but I have to say that uh, I have heard from White House officials th- who, by the way, are very confident that Trump will get reelected and serve for eight years. In t- so when they look at it as an eight year thing, they say that Donald Trump is going to make his mark on history. They believe he could name three or even four Supreme Court justices wow. who would serve for decades. So, hey, if any Democrat liberals are listening <laughs> You're probably alarmed. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I would imagine so. Dan Raviv is with us, Washington correspondent from i24news.tv. 
our Washington correspondent. I got to take a quick little break, and I want to get your thoughts on North Korea and okay. and what the talk is inside uh, Washington. Okay. Here on uh, WCCO. Matter of fact, maybe we could just kind of push that break out here, and I think we will. So, w- what are you hearing with regard to you know? First of all, we we are now sending a carrier group towards North Korea. That has been, I think, uh, redetermined. But with regard to this coming week, it sounds as though there may be another anniversary that could be tied to the test of a nuclear weapon or some type of missile test. Sure. And you never know with the North Koreans, right? Do you think Donald Trump is unpredictable? How about Kim Jong-un, the young leader of Mm -hmm. North Korea? So even when they were celebrating his late grandfather's birthday and it was expected there'd be a nuclear test or maybe a major missile test, you know, there was finally a missile launch that that fizzled and the Pentagon seemed to get a chuckle out of that. But the president was very concerned and the president did announce that he was moving an aircraft carrier group toward the Korean Peninsula. And Moose, as you put it very gently, turned out that the Carl Vinson wasn't heading there, but yeah. now is heading there. All the Asian newspapers were kind of kind of ridiculing Trump, but this is not a laughing matter. And Vice President Pence is still talking about it on a big Asian trip that he's taking. He was in Australia today. He said all options are on the table and that the U.S. will work with allies in Asia and with China. That's the key to try to restrain North Korea and say that having a nuclear program is unacceptable. Certainly the Trump administration is talking about it mm-hmm. in a lot stronger terms than Obama ever did. We'll see if uh, action gets matched with words. Well, that's the scary thing, because you know, if, if you talk about a unilateral action, I would imagine you've got to, you know, give a heads up to the South Koreans at the very least. And then you've got Japan. You've also got China who are right in proximity. Moose, if you're talking about the U.S. taking action, it's almost unthinkable. You may know that the capital of South Korea, very important industrial power, obviously an ally of the United States. um, The capital Seoul is 35 miles from the border with the communist north. I mean, even artillery from the north will hit and devastate the capital of South Korea. So that's a way of saying that an outbreak of hostilities like the Korean War more than 60 years ago is just unthinkable. There are 80,000 U.S. troops in South Korea and Japan, including Okinawa. So we have a lot of forces in the area. Oh, we could fight. We could win. I guess we'd devastate North Korea. But you know, toward what end? What side would China take? So everyone is saber-rattling, but I, uh, your mention of China is just perfect. The U.S. really wants China to really act, and President Trump has already yeah. thanked President Xi Jinping of China for turning away a shipload of coal that the North Koreans were trying to export to China, for taking other actions that Trump hasn't specified. And Trump is depending on Xi Jinping, and I'm sure you've heard this, Moose, Trump has said, you're going to get a better trade deal, China, a better trade yeah. deal with the U.S. if you help us on this. So kind of interesting. You know, some people think Trump is, a, is an uninformed simpleton. Now, I'm not saying his information is perfect, and he is new to this kind of job, and not every tweet is accurate. But he's got kind of a complex chess game he's playing with China when it comes to North Korea and trade. Sure, and, and when you look at how tenuous this situation I think has become because of all of this saber rattling. Uh, You don't leave yourself a lot of wiggle room here. 
Yes, that's always dangerous when you make threats. And you know what Trump said about Obama's red line when it came to the yeah. Syrians a few years ago uh, when Obama said it would be unacceptable for Syria to use chemical weapons and then the U.S. didn't attack Syria. And so Trump you know, sought to erase that just a few weeks ago by hitting Syria with 59 cruise missiles. Then Trump uses the largest non-nuclear bomb ever used in combat and dropping it on ISIS in Afghanistan. Yeah. And a lot of that message was definitely aimed at North Korea and China. And the message to China, of course, is not, we're going to attack you. I mean, no way. China's too strong for that. But it's a message to China, you don't want war to break out on that peninsula right next to you. And you don't want millions of Korean refugees heading into China. So China, you'd better help us. We, yeah. we really never had an American president putting it to China that way. Uh, it will be fascinating if it works. Sure. Real quick, uh, what are you hearing out of France? Uh, Le Pen, the far right candidate that uh, some people kind of compare to, you know, what we saw with some of the Trump policies of build a wall, tighter immigration policies. That's really been her platform. That presidential election is actually, I think, going on this weekend, is it not? That's right. Tomorrow is the first round. Eleven candidates for the presidency of France. Uh, so whoever the two leaders are tomorrow night will uh, square off on June 7th to decide who's the president of France. Now, to many people, it's shocking that an extreme right-winger, anti-immigrant, who probably wants to pull France out of the European Union, you know, like the British voters decided to do, uh, that Marine Le Pen could be one of the top two candidates. Folks find it shocking. If she is one of the top two, um, people think European stock markets will go down on Monday and maybe Wall Street, too. Probably temporary, but it would be that surprising. Now, as for the other candidates, frankly, the various men who are running, you get a socialist and a centrist and a right-wing mm -hmm. guy, but not an extreme right-wing. You know, that's a bunch of guys, um, the usual kind of French politicians. It could very well turn out to be Marine Le Pen, um, where it can't possibly win. But, of course, the world used to say that about Donald Trump. And so you're right to, you're right to see the parallel there. Uh, and France is super important to the European economy, but also as a symbol after so many Muslims moved to France over the past decades. And in the past just few years, you get refugees from Syria, and a few of them have turned out to be terrorists, just a few. But of course, it makes a lot of French people really angry and concerned, and that'll affect their votes tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure it will. Sure. Well, you're also seeing that in parts of uh, the Netherlands, in Brussels, uh, you know, Germany, I think, also has, uh, you know, situations and moved, where in election after election in Europe, yeah. you might see a turn toward the right because of concern about uh, about uh, refugees and, and other immigrants coming in. Of course, we've had that issue in the U.S. Of course, Trump tried to have his travel or entry ban and federal judges struck it down for now. But Trump says it's necessary for U.S. security. You can imagine in Europe what the right-leaning or right-wing politicians are saying. They mean it. They sure do. They sure Dan, it's a real pleasure. We appreciate your time this evening. I hope we'll speak again, Moose. All the best. Thanks. You got it. And again, uh, Dan Ravive with uh, i24news.tv. If you're uh, looking for another news bookmark, I would suggest adding that into the collection. Dan Ravive, our Washington correspondent here on WCCO. I'm Moose Miller. In tonight for Esme Murphy, we'll check some weather and also some scores like, uh, I don't know, the Blues and the Wild. How did that end up today? And uh, also the Bucks and the Raptors in the NBA. It's all on the way here on 
WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Saturday night in CCO land. Moose Miller in tonight for Esme Murphy. We welcome to the conversation Professor of Earth and Planetary Science from the University of Minnesota, Duluth, Vicki Hansen. Good evening and welcome. Hey, Moose, how are you doing? I'm great. This is interesting and exciting news. So it sounds as though we have located yet another planet way out there that may be similar to Earth in its makeup. It sounds like it's, what, about five or seven times the size of the Earth? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it and it goes around a star that is um, much smaller than our sun. And uh, so it's much closer to its star or its sun. We can just call it its sun. And mm-hmm. because and so that means it's in the habitable zone. So the distance from the star, of course, is um, really important to life and water because water lives on the planet. And so we are a certain distance from our sun. This is a certain distance from its sun, and it looks like it might have the makings of what we need for life. So from what I remember from elementary school planetary science, it takes nine minutes for the light from the sun to reach our planet, right? I'm impressed. I don't know that I remembered that, Moose. Good for you. That sounds uh, sounds about right. All right. This, so this, this star yeah, is this planet 40. is 39 light years away from us, right? Exactly. Exactly. And believe it or not, that's relatively close. <laughs> Okay, but that, that's that's a huge distance. It is. It is a huge distance. So we won't be, you know, going there soon. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason that How? it's exciting is because the way that we're able to view it from our planet and its star is that we can actually see it pass in front of its sun. And because of that, there's a number of things we can figure out about it in terms Mm. of its atmosphere and the composition of the atmosphere that we can't when the the planet and its sun don't line up so that it passes in front of it. And I found it fascinating to read about, you know, how they've been tracking this or discovering this particular planet. And it sounds as though we've had a team of astronomers viewing it but then when conditions were not favorable on this side of the Earth or the equator, then they were counting on an amateur astronomer who's pretty doggone good down exactly. in Perth, Australia. Yeah, isn't that it's fabulous? There, yeah. there are amazing number of um, uh, amateur astronomers who I would not call amateur at all. It's just that they do this for their hobby and are making really incredible observations. And as you said, Here's this one in Perth that is critically important to the observations that are being made. How cool is that? Well, that and and, and the fact that this person down in Perth has probably got to have some pretty sophisticated astronomy gear. Yeah, exactly. Because as you say, 40 light years, that's a ways away. Yeah, because, you know, I've seen uh, some of the telescopes that uh, Mike Lynch here at WCCO has built over the years with, you know, those reflector mirror telescopes that are, you know, some of them 24 inches across, and they're huge. But um, that's a blunt instrument compared to what these people are using to study these 
particular bodies that far out there. Yeah. And and then they hope now to be able to actually use the Hubble because then they can get, you know, away from the Earth and view things. And then in the future, we will have even more telescopes that are headed out and that will be out in space. And then mm-hmm. you don't have to deal with our atmosphere and everything because that's one, probably one of the largest hindrances that we have is seeing through our own atmosphere to get to those stars. And you're right. It takes a big telescope to do that. You know, I was watching a, a video somebody put up the other day of all of the debris that and, and satellites and items that are orbiting our planet. And yeah. It, it looks like uh, hundreds, if not thousands of flies circling around like, you know, something in a garbage dump. I, I was like, I was really kind of disappointed and stunned at the same time. I'm like, we're just one little, you know, bump and collision away from taking down the entire GPS system. Well, that's actually, you're, you're exactly right. We have a lot of space junk. We keep putting much more out there. And it was like what we used to think that the oceans were, you know, vast, and we could just dump things into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And we realized we can't. And then we thought we could dump things into space. And exactly as you say, we can do it and say, we can't continue to do this. There is a lot of junk out there. Exactly right. Well, you know, when you watch gravity, I mean, as, as surreal as some of the science is in that, I mean, that's not too far off from, you know, what a, a major collision event could do, you know, as it just trips all the dominoes. That's exactly right. And those things are up there. And gravity, one thing about gravity, it's working all the time. And those things are ultimately going to end up coming down. Sure. One way Vicki Hansen is with us, professor of Earth and Planetary Science at the University of Minnesota, Duluth. I would imagine you maybe where you are, you might even have a little bit better uh, or less light pollution for your setup. Absolutely. We really do. We have less light per- pollution. And actually, even if you get outside of Duluth, which is easier to do than outside of the Twin Cities, it, it even makes a big difference to get yeah. just outside the city limits. And, and there is a noticeable difference in terms of the light pollution. Well, when I've camped in the Boundary Waters, um, it's just nothing short of spellbinding to it look up at the nighttime sky. And and I've, I've been down in the, the Bahamas, uh, you know, on some really remote islands that there's no real electric power running lights at night. And it is... To look out over the you know ocean sky at night is just an amazing sight. Exactly. For myself, I was uh, two years ago up in uh, northwestern Australia in the outback, and the mm. sky was like I have never seen it. And every night you would watch the Milky Way just move across the sky, and it was a huge, bright, bright stripe yeah. of of uh, just spectacular beauty and so we, we don't as you say we don't realize how much light pollution we throw up you know in in, in where we live today you know and uh when, when you see that a, a sky like that for the first time it is really breathtaking it it is and it's something that frankly all of us on earth should experience at least once in our life because i think once you've seen it you never forget <laughs> it yeah. Well, it's kind of like, hey, this is what it was like when Galileo was around and exactly. Christopher Columbus. You know, this is right. what they saw. 
Yeah, every night or when when it wasn't cloudy. You're exactly right. No matter yeah. where you were, that is what they saw. Well, getting back to this uh, planet that's about seven times the size of Earth, it's 39 light years away. Can you put into perspective how far that is? I mean, how long does it take to travel a light year if we could do it? You know, I don't honestly know the answer to that, Moose. And for myself, these are distances that are so hard to actually comprehend. And I yeah. think the only way you can do it is say, okay, put yourself into a spacecraft and you are traveling at the speed of light, which is the fastest that anything can go physically, and do that for 40 years of your life. 40 years of your life, you are going at the fastest speed that we know, and you would arrive at that planet. How yeah. do we comprehend that? I don't yeah, know. What, what, what is that distance? But it, it's it's so profound and immense, but yet that particular planet that you talk about that's been discovered, it sounds as though they think it's made up of rock and that it may have water and it may have some type of atmosphere. That's exactly right. And so it is, it is, it almost certainly is rock because we know very well we can measure its size and its density. And because of those things, it has to be not only a rocky planet, but it almost certainly has a very large iron core. And but the atmosphere is something we have yet to measure, but we can actually do this on this planet. And I think that's one reason people are so excited, because now that we know its size and its um, mass, we can say it's density, and therefore we can say it's rocky, because it's so big, it would hang on to its atmosphere. And because it is so dense, it would hang on to that atmosphere and even more. So that high-density atmosphere makes it easier for us now with new observations to be actually able to not only observe if it has an atmosphere, but we should actually be able to establish what its composition of its atmosphere is. And so that's really exciting. Is there mm -hmm. oxygen there? Is there methane there? If there's methane in the atmosphere, that is would be really exciting because um, methane that we have on Earth is here in large part due to life. Not entirely, but in large part due to life. So if we had, um, we can see whether there's water, we can see whether there's oxygen, and we could see whether there's methane. You know, I wonder, yeah, this particular planet, it, it, it orbits rather close to this uh, dimmer, smaller star yeah. than our sun. But when you get closer to, a, you know, a, a star, don't you have the risk, though, of, of more radiation or solar radiation effects and magnetic yep. uh, stuff that's, that's going to blast that planet? Yeah, you're exactly right. It's the closer you get, the more radiation and this is much closer to its sun. And if it wasn't closer to its sun, then any water on it would be absolutely frozen hard as a rock or harder than a rock. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's close, but you're exactly right. That's the flip of it is that if their life was able to evolve on this planet, it's possible that it was really uh, destroyed by radiation. We don't know, but that's exactly right. That um, 
Now, they do think that this particular star might not be um, really horrible in terms of radiation, but that would depend on where we are in the star's life, too, Mm -hmm. relative to anything that formed on the planet. But you put your finger on it. You know, good news is you're close. Bad news is you're close. (laughs) (laughs) The radiation. Vicki Hansen is with us, professor of Earth and Planetary Science at the University of Minnesota Duluth here on WCCO. I'm Moose Miller sitting in tonight for Esme Murphy. Hey, while we have you, what uh, stuff can we look up in our regular nighttime skies here in uh, Minnesota, and especially like where you are in northern Minnesota, and enjoy and see? Because I know there's been a couple of really bright planets that uh, pop up, you know, over the course of the summer months. That's what I would say that is really exciting is the the uh, Venus, um, Mars, um, Jupiter should be in our are sc- in our um, sky, and there are so many great apps out there now that you get on the web and they can, will just tell you day to day where to look in the sky and when to look, and yeah. oftentimes we'll actually give you a, a picture of of things, and so. That's just really super because, as you said, Moose, if someone is traveling and happens to be out where they're away from the city lights, if they just get onto one of those, uh, either the web or apps, and pull it up, they'll be able to say, what can I see today based on, you know, whatever time it is, and, and line it right up with the sky. Yeah, and there's some great uh, satellite tracking apps and the uh, International Space Station tracking app that, you know, it'll literally show you on your phone where it is, you know, right now over the Earth and, and when it's going to maybe be circling over you. And that's fun to see because it looks like a star because of the reflection of the sun's, sun's uh, light on it, but it's actually moving um, and so we can, not as fast as an airplane, but moving along. And so you can see, oh, my goodness, that's the space station. If you waved, I'm sure they, people up there would see you. <laughs> not <Sure>. really. <laughs> well, the, the, the satellite tracker apps, I mean, when I'm uh, out at my uh, in-laws farm in Iowa, you know, they, we don't have a, a ton of light pollution there. You can actually get a lawn chair and just sit and look up at the nighttime sky. And if you know, like when the space station's coming by and and that thing really stands out when you don't have a lot of light pollution. It does. It really does because it looks like a star, but it's actually tracking across the sky. Sure. And, 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 and when you say tracking, you can tell that baby is moving. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, what is it? You probably know better than I, it goes around the earth many, many times in one, you know, day or 24-hour period. So that's, when we think about it, that's how fast that is moving. You know, they have several sunrises and sunsets in in a 24-hour period. Yeah, it's several, if not three, maybe four, but I think it's right around two or three. Yeah, uh, we can look that up, but it's a number of them. It's yeah. and it's it's moving. So well, this is uh, it's really cool news, and I'm glad we had a chance to catch up and visit here, Vicky. Thank you uh, for joining us. Oh, it's always fun to to join you guys. These are just you know fun fun things to to talk about and uh, be amazed by, as you have said. Vicky Hansen, professor of Earth and Planetary Science at the University of Minnesota Duluth 
Our guest here on WCCO Radio, I'm Moose Miller sitting in tonight for Esme Murphy. Miller in tonight for Esme Murphy, still holding steady at 68 degrees here at WCCO. So Dunkin' Donuts has made its way in here to the Twin Cities, and I thought this was kind of interesting, you know, as they, uh, you know, try to crack the uh, the breakfast uh, market and the donut market. A seven-month veteran of Dunkin' Donuts did an AMA on Reddit about Dunkin' Donuts. So this was their, you know, ask me anything. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting what some of the, uh, responses were to different questions. It's actually not the donuts, according to this person, that brings people into Dunkin' Donuts. He says it's their coffee and their breakfast sandwiches, which are quite popular. And the donuts, which, you know, if you compare them to like a Krispy Kreme or a Donut King, that, are, that you can actually see them coming right off the machine... Um, those donuts are usually baked from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. So when you get there in the morning, you know, they've been, they've been around for a little while. According to this particular Dunkin' Donut veteran employee of seven months, apple fritters are what he thinks are their best item. And people buy the donut holes less often than the donuts. Hmm. And when uh, they realize that something isn't selling well, they replace it quickly with something else. Well, that's, you know, just good business practice, right? But the key has been the coffee. And when it comes to making good quality, consistent coffee... He says they have their methods and their machines to make sure that each caffeinated drink tastes the same every time. They have machines, and McDonald's does this too, everybody does this, that dispense the cream and sugar exactly. You know, when you say two creams, boom, it's two exact creams. And if you ask, they will give you pure cane sugar, liquid cane sugar that they'll pour by hand into your coffee. All right, let's tell you what's coming up here in the uh, 7 o'clock hour on the Esme Murphy Show here on WCCO. The 10th annual Min Roast is going to be happening this coming Friday, the 28th. So that will feature a lot of local politicians, a lot of local singers, actors, journalists that will... You know, try to Dean Martin celebrity roast it up, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that with Joe Kimball from uh, the Min Post as he uh, maybe lays out who is set to be skewered <laughs> the worst on this thing. And also, uh, Dr. Carla Schwartz is going to join us from Fairview Health System. She's a volunteer doctor at St. Mary's Health Clinics, which has a well, well over 250 volunteer physicians and healthcare workers. We'll learn more about that coming up here on WCCL. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.